What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Black Panther, the 2018 film starring the late and phenomenal Chadwick Boseman, was the 18th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and directed by Oakland's own Ryan Coogler. The film was nominated for seven awards at the 91st Academy Awards, winning three, received numerous other accolades. Black Panther is the first superhero film to receive a Best Picture nomination and the first Marvel Comics Universe film to win several other categories. It took the world by storm and gave Black folks much-needed heroes to hold on to, even me. Which is why I am thrilled about our guest today. There is now, y'all, a Black Panther official Wakanda cookbook. It was written by Nanika Banda, a chef, writer, entrepreneur. She earned a culinary degree from Madison College in 2012. While attending Madison College, she competed and placed in multiple American Culinary Federation competitions. She has worked in a number of acclaimed kitchens across the country, including WD-50 and the Severe Magazine Test Kitchen. After her experiences in New York City, Banda moved back to the Midwest to attend the University of Wisconsin Superior. She designed her history and writing majors around African foodways and has been a scholar of the topic ever since. Nanika, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I am really, really excited. Um, I want to start a little bit about you. Uh, tell us about your background, your family, and and how did you come to love cooking? I grew up in Western Massachusetts as the oldest of four children and a family with two parents that worked full time. And so I actually started cooking probably around 12 years old, just for myself and my brothers and sisters. And it never really was something that I considered as a career until I got older, but it definitely has been something that's played a role in my life for a very long time. In addition to that, my father is from Malawi, Africa. And so that background and influence has always been a part of my childhood as well. So as I've gotten older, I've started to seek out more um, of my family history culinarily. And so I've kind of evolved into a scholar of African food ways. That's actually one of my questions. What does that mean? What does it mean to be a scholar of African food ways? It sounds very fancy. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I got interested in food ways because I realized that there actually is a story to all the foods that we eat and there's a reason behind the foods that we eat. And so food ways is really uh, the look into how food has traveled. And so if we look at the foodways of the African diaspora, I'm really interested in how food has traveled from the continent of Africa and moved all across the world. I love to cook, though I'm sure I am nowhere near as talented as you. Um, <laughs> but I, I discovered it's it's one of my love languages, right? It's, it's how in the middle of all of the busyness I can stop and tell friends and family, I love you. I think that this is true for a lot of Black folks. Um, I mean, as I was thinking about this, to some degree, uh, it was all we had to offer, right? We couldn't afford fancy trinkets and stuff, but mm -hmm. my granny could whip up a feast of the last four pieces of whatever ingredients were languishing in her fridge. Um, I just like your thoughts about that, that for Black folks, food is a love language, and, and how does that play out in your, your life and your career? Food is a love language, and, you know, growing up, especially as a first-generation American and a Black American, there's soul food, which is part of my American identity, but doesn't really necessarily play a role in my African identity. And so I personally actually just got into studying 
African food ways because I felt the slight disconnect from soul food and I felt like I should have had a closer connection to it. And so through that, I kind of, I realized that, you know, the enslaved Africans that came to this country, that was all they brought with them were seeds and the Mm. traditions of food. And so that is our like direct connection to our ancestors. And, and and so you're, you're right. I mean, it really is how we collectively come together and show love. And, And for me, the Wakanda cookbook is, you know, the greatest honor and greatest love language that I could give to our African ancestors and to all of us really. You spent a lot of time in school and and you you teach now, but but one of the things I read was that like right after you graduated, I think the exact quote was that you had the keys to your own brick and mortar. You had a spot right out of out of college. I, I'm 40 years old, and so I actually I started working in restaurants when I was 15 years old, and I was to be honest, I was very adamant that I wanted to learn cooking, um, you know, on the job, real world experiences. I just wanted to travel and work with as many top chefs as possible, and so. That's what I spent, you know, my entire young adulthood doing through my whole 20s was, you know, traveling and learning about food. And I was 28 years old when I decided that I wanted to go to college and I wanted to pursue writing and potentially food writing. So I had a really clear idea of what I wanted my bachelor's to be and how I wanted to take advantage of my education. And so while I was at the University of Wisconsin, I was just extremely hyper focused on studying food ways, on creating a portfolio where I could do the research that would actually contribute to Black history so that by the time when I did graduate, I would have this great portfolio. Now, as someone who spent the first part of their adulthood working in kitchens and kind of hustling, I didn't really adjust very well to like just being an academic and just being in school. So <laughs> <laughs> so while I was a full-time student, I started a pop-up, an underground pop-up. Um, it took on many different iterations of names, but eventually evolving into Martha's Daughter, which is um, an homage to my mother. And so while I was an undergraduate, I did late night taco pop-ups, ramen pop-ups. I had a supper club. Um, I also had reached out to the local newspaper, the Duluth News Tribune, and eventually I had a monthly food column where I was telling food stories and there were recipes. So I'd, I'd really established myself in the city of Duluth while I was a, a student. So um, my plans were actually to continue my higher education and go on to pursue a doctorate degree. Meanwhile, some of my clients had other plans for me, which were to open a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, as a chef, it was just a very, I mean, it was just a very serendipitous uh, moment and opportunity for me that I didn't want to pass up on. And I'm, I'm really glad that I didn't because it was a really great experience. I bet. And now the world is really glad that you didn't because we have this amazing book. You you teach. Are there there qualities that you look for in your students that let you know that they, they've got what it takes, that they understand food as a love language, that they're going to be successful uh, moving out into the world? I, I think the, the greatest key that I see is, is curiosity. I think as long as you're curious about something, you're going to be successful at it. As long as you want to strive to get better at something, you'll end up being successful. I didn't understand my natural talents in the, in the restaurant kitchen until, you know, I was doing it and other people were able to reinforce to me that, you know, I did have talents that exceeded other people. And so I do try to make sure that, you know, I pass that down to other folks who I see that, you know, do have maybe higher talent, maybe a drive that not everyone else has, you know, to really help encourage folks to be curious 
and to take as many opportunities that come your way as possible. And when you say natural talent, so like, you know, when I sit with my other friends, we talk about our grannies in the kitchen, right? There was never a recipe book, Mm -hmm. right? And and a lot of us learned to cook by watching our grannies in the kitchen. It was a pinch of that, a dab of that, a spoon of this. Um, And and it was at some point in my late 20s that I realized I was doing the same thing. How much is, by natural talent, do you mean instinct? I'm not sure if I mean instinct when I say natural talent as much as I really do mean just a a passion. Mm -hmm. And I think that instinct comes from spending time with the food. You know, I mean, if you're, if you, if food makes you kind of anxious and you're not used to cutting vegetables, you know, when you, when you, (laughs) when you go to attack an onion with a knife, you're going to be super awkward and it's going to make people uncomfortable and not feel safe. You know, Um, (laughs) and I say that from, Personal I think that's experience. experience. My daughter has a microphone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, because I think recipes are, I always say that recipes are actually just, you know, a guideline. I don't think, unless unless you're baking, you, there's really no reason that you have to follow to a T any sort of recipe. And that's how I tell folks to approach the recipes that I create as well. You know, I think that once you become familiar with flavor profiles, it does become more intuitive. And I think that's, you know, from the generations above us, especially if you think about, um, who was educated and who wasn't. So who had access to written words and cookbooks and who didn't, you know, it's kind of the same with our oral tradition. And so food kind of, you know, I think passes down in that way. As, as a black culture, as black Americans, so much of our history is, is given through oral tradition. And so when you were talking about, you know, your grandmothers and our great grandmothers and watching them cook, I think that when you spend enough time in a kitchen with your grandmother, you pick up those skills. And so, you know, I, I think some of it is instinct, but it also is, you know, stuff, it's what's been passed down to us. And so in the same way that we have oral traditions to tell us the stories, we have oral traditions to tell us the recipes. And there's usually a story that goes along with the recipe and a life experience that goes along with that recipe. And so when I look at, about, at folks who have that instinct or natural talent, I think, it's more that in the kitchen you see that they have a respect for what that, what that history means, what that story means, mm. what the recipe means. Anika, I imagine, like any industry in America, there are some inequities and discrimination in the culinary world. Uh, what what obstacles did did you overcome? What do you prepare your black students for dealing with when they step foot into this world? Um, yeah, <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's like loaded and not loaded, you know, I mean, it's like I'm a woman and I'm black and I live in America. Like, what's not hard about that? Um, so, you know, yeah, I started working in kitchens when I was 15. There weren't other girls in the kitchen when I started working in restaurants. I was usually mm. the only one. And then on top of that, I was generally the only black person in the kitchen as well. So, um, you know, strangely enough, I, I, I've learned how to persevere through that space of being the only um and you know i think some of that has to do with working that much harder proving yourself that much more to kind of gain that respect in the kitchen um but fortunately i haven't necessarily felt massive discrimination in the kitchen i would say and then when I say discrimination, I, I would say more in terms of being a person of color versus being a woman, because there's definitely sexism in restaurants that's very like prevalent. Um, but in terms of being a person of color, I think it's more about representation. And so, you know, when I was younger, it never occurred to me that I could be a chef because I never saw someone that looked like me as a chef. And so that's what's most important to me now, especially when it's, it comes to teaching, is letting 
young people know, you know, culinary school is an option, trade school is an option. You can pursue it and, you know, maybe do something else with your life later down the road. But there are avenues. You don't have to just work in a restaurant, but you can be a, a, a top chef and that there isn't this stigma of being a woman and a woman of color and working in a, in a kitchen. Because, you know, for my grandmother, she definitely doesn't understand my desire to continue to work in restaurant kitchens. She sees that as something that might even be demeaning because mm. when she was growing up, that, those were the only options that someone like me would have for a job. Right. You're listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're talking to Nanika Banda about her book, Black Panther, the official Wakanda cookbook. Uh, Nanika, the movie, Black Panther, what kind of impact did it have on you when you saw it? I was living in northern Minnesota, Duluth, Minnesota, on Lake Superior. So there weren't, and there weren't a lot of Black folks there. And they actually, the movie only showed for like a very, very short period of time. And for me, what was so important important and so impactful, I guess, about the film was how, um, not in my direct community, because there weren't a lot of folks of color around me, but when I went online, it was like, we were celebrating just our existence, and there was no stopping that, and just like, this Wakanda forever lives in all of us, you know, and um, that connection that I felt kind of virtually and virally was how that movie... um, fed me personally at the time when it came out. I remember just being so excited to have heroes and and share it with my daughter and watching these powerful black beings on the big screen. It was so um, Mm -hmm. impactful. I'm I'm an artist and survived 10 years in Hollywood and man, I couldn't even have imagined something like Black Panther then. Um, I read somewhere right. that that part of your process for doing this book was like reading a lot about Marvel facts and and things, and that you can rattle off some of these facts with the best of them. Uh, what's the most random? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> what's the most random Marvel fact that still bounces around in your head? <laughs> you know, in in the in the lore of the Avengers, there is a part that kind of correlates with real-time history. So we're talking about um, like 1950s and, and Nazis in Germany. And so there actually is a part in the Black Panther Avengers storyline where they they come to Wakanda and that's where they meet to join forces. And I just found that it's so interesting that, you know, you see superheroes, it feels fictional, and yet we like really are telling the story of real-world colonization Mm. real world nation building um yeah it's 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 all just so fascinating to me that (laughs) the randomness is it comes in waves i guess (laughs) (laughs) Um, tell me about when the idea struck you that you wanted to do a wakanda cookbook how did this happen uh yeah so just to get that that storyline straight, I did not come up with the idea to do okay. uh, a Wakanda cookbook, but I do belong to a group of female food writers and it was during the pandemic and I was not doing any in-person cooking um, and someone had posted that they were looking for a, sh- a chef of color, preferably a woman who had experience in uh, recipe testing and African food ways. And I don't, I'm sure you were following along in like the early 2020s in terms of the restaurant industry and how it was affected by COVID. But, you know, I mean, for those of us who spent 
all of our lives working in restaurants, there was really this moment of, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And I had definitely kind of reached that point, that break where I was kind of ready. I don't, I don't know. I was like ready to give up on things. And so when I saw this post, I just reached out to the editor. I had no idea what the project was. And I said, I should work on your project. I'm the one to work it. And I, I sent them a private message. I sent them my CV. And, you know, again, just reiterated that I was very, very interested in the project. Um, you know, she responded back saying, thank you. Let's set up an interview before we can meet. I need you to sign this NDA. And it was when I got the NDA that I saw that it was for Black Panther Wakanda cookbook. And I was like, wait, like what? You know, and I was like, oh my goodness. Because I'm someone who, I, and it's kind of like true, true to form, I think, for all chefs and people that, you know, kind of come up in the line is that you really have to push for yourself. No one else is going to push for you. And so you kind of mm-hmm. learn this kind of hustle mentality while coming up in kitchens. And yeah. so for me, you know, I was just pushing for myself. I didn't really know what the final outcome was going to be. And, uh, Thankfully, blessedly, it ended up being this project and I was the one who was chosen to, you know, move forward on the project. So it really, I, I, I'm so thankful to the, the universe that things aligned in that way that I was the one who got to work on the project. There's a new character with the Wakanda cookbook. Tell us about who walks us through the book, who actually writes the introduction to the book. This was definitely the most fun and scary part I would say for me of writing the book because you know I can come up with recipes and I'm really familiar with African food but how do you tell a story that correlates with a story that already exists and has been written about for the past um, almost 60 years and so I you know I do have a degree in writing and something that you know most teachers will tell young writers is write what you know and so for me that just the natural character to kind of start the foundation was well I know what it means to be a chef I know what it's like to be a chef I know what it's like to travel and so I you know I started with the foundation of creating a character that was a chef that had um, experience working with King T'Challa maybe experience working with the Dora Milaje and you know that that and then therefore would kind of open the door for me to be able to tell more stories about food. And it was really important to me also to create a character that was female and that was strong Mm -hmm. and highlighted kind of, you know, the theme that is throughout the Black Panther comics and the movie, which is these strong female characters. And so I created the head chef who was the chef for the Royal Palace. And she grew up in a village uh, in Wakanda with, a mother and an aunt who were female entrepreneurs who were chefs who had a food stand in um, in the market. And so the main character that I, I created grew up going to the market and cooking with her mother and aunt. And along the way, uh, impressed some of the Dora Milaje, and again, in terms <laughs> of her, uh, her hard work and skills and ended up being hire to to travel the world and and cook and so that that was that was the story that I was able to create and then through there I I've woven in so many other kind of characters as well which was really really fun you have you've woven in characters and also there's like and we'll talk a little bit more about this later but like how the recipe should have been used uh in in at in Wakanda like when people ate what um yeah I, I found very very fun um 70 recipes are these recipes yeah. you grew up with or were you using some of these before or are they all brand new? Um, I mean, 
always there's going to be that influence of my African heritage and my relatives and things that I grew up eating. However, I really wanted to make a cookbook that all people of the African diaspora would feel celebrated in. Mm. Um, I think it's really important that we do see the way that food has traveled. And so in this book, I was able to kind of highlight, you know, foods that you would maybe see in the Caribbean um, that you would see in Black America that maybe you would see in, that would be eaten in an African community, but in Britain. And, you know, even though Wakanda in in the lore is a, was a closed off nation for so long, again, I wanted to come up with stories so that we could sh- highlight all of the glorious food that comes from the continent of Africa. That was actually something I was going to ask you about, that you paid attention to that, that Wakanda was an isolated nation. And uh, what ways did you use to justify there being ingredients they maybe wouldn't have access to there? Yeah, I mean, that was the greatest, that was the greatest challenge for me. And I and I would say that was the point for like working with Marvel, that it was really important on for both sides to stay like true to Wakandan lore. So it was you know, on both sides, perhaps if I came up with a recipe, definitely the folks at Marvel would come back and ask, you know, well, how would, would Wakandans really use this in this way? Would Wakandans cook in, in, in this way? You know, as a, for instance, I hadn't done too much research on uh, vibranium yet, but I knew it was, you know, a, an important part of Wakanda. So I was trying to use that as a, as a cooking technique only to realize that scientifically it would never have been used as a cooking technique. So <laughs> tell my listeners what vibranium is. Not, I, I, I hope everybody's seen the film, but if not, vibranium is what? Uh, I guess it's like a, a precious metal crystal that, you know, it's called vibranium because the vibrations move so much that it is able to I don't know, create energy. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I was like, yeah, it could create heat and other things, but that's not what it's, it's used for. <laughs> <laughs> You are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We're talking to Nanika Banda about her book, Black Panther, the official Wakanda cookbook. All right. Out of the 70 recipes in this book, what's your favorite dish? Oh, it is really hard. And I, I, I copy um, uh, Chef Zacharian, who answered this question once and said, to ask someone what their favorite dish is, to like, say, ask what you, who your favorite child is. And so you can't <laughs> I was like, I really like that answer. Um, but I will tell you this, that when I was recipe testing, the um, mango ginger glazed chicken wings were something that I uh, I wasn't giving away for others to really try. Like some of the other dishes, I'd be like, hey, you know, I made this dish. Why don't you try it out? But the, the wings, and even if you don't eat meat, there's a glaze that's completely vegan that goes along with it. It's a sauce. And it's just really delicious. It's mangoes, um, ginger... It's reduced down. Yeah, it's really delicious. Yeah, I'm a chicken wing fanatic, and that was actually one of the recipes we were going to talk about because <laughs> I was like, chicken wings, what? Um, <laughs> yeah. I also love that the book starts with an ingredients guide, uh, which includes more common names for some ingredients. So I've spent a lot of time in the Trinidadian culture, and my ex-husband would refer to to things with words that w- did not match <laughs> what I thought they mm-hmm. were called. Uh, and um, you, you do that. And you also um, have have tips on how to cook the foods, including another one of my favorites, oxtail. Uh, mm. Tell me about the choice to start with that plus the page on dietary considerations. I mean, for me, in terms of my style of cooking, I always want to create food that's approachable to everyone and that's accessible to everyone. And so 
Um, you know, when we talk about dietary restrictions, I spent a lot of time in my early young adult life being uh, like very strictly plant-based. And so, you know, I try to be conscious of that. And so I think it's just easier for folks, especially if you do have certain restrictions on what you can and cannot eat, you might be a little bit apprehensive about picking up a cookbook and wondering like, oh, well, what about what in there am I really going to be able to make? And I think the beauty of, you know, um, Caribbean food or tropical food or food of the African diaspora is that so much of it is plant-based and it's highlighting, you know, fruits and vegetables and really simple cooking techniques. So I wanted to make sure that that was prevalent for folks, especially as a not only an African food cookbook, but an African food cookbook of a country that doesn't actually really exist. So I was trying to make sure that people, <laughs> you know, felt as comfortable as possible, like coming into the book and trying out, testing out the recipes. Um, and like you said, there's so many different terminologies. And, 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 you know, again, when, when I'm doing my own research and when we were kind of working on this cookbook, I may call something rice and beans. You may call it rice and peas. We're talking about the same thing, you know? And so just kind of like clarifying that because like I grew up, my family is from Malawi, which is in Southeast Africa. We have a cornmeal or cassava starch uh, that we eat and it's called sima. It's almost identical to fufu, which is, you know, Mm -hmm. more traditional in Nigeria or Ghana. So it's just to kind of eliminate any sort of, uh, confusion. Just, it was important to me that we had that that glossary and that dietary restriction page there for folks. Yeah, I love it. So for for my vegan and vegetarian and gluten free friends, the literally the page says the recipe and and tells you what category it falls into. Quite yeah, brilliant. Um, all right. Well, we already talked about the road, and they're not called chicken wings. They're called road runner wings. By the way, tell yeah. that story. <laughs> Yeah, well, I picked up the term Roadrunner. There, I actually was in Africa right before I um, got hired to work on this project. So everything was like, you know, the colors, the flavors, the food, everything was very much in the forefront of my mind. And in the village, or, you know, you have, there's lots of chickens that just like roam around. It's very common in yeah. Africa to see chickens roaming around. There are, there, but there are now newer farming techniques that are coming into Malawi, such as, uh, you know, more industrially raised tr- chickens. So, you know, whereas here in the U.S., we'd see something on a on the menu that would say like free range or you know, or just say normal chicken. So, uh, in Malawi, it's instead of free range, it's called a roadrunner. And so that's when you know that they're just uh, roaming roaming free. So that was <laughs> my tribute to my Malawian heritage, just by calling them roadrunners. <laughs> um. All right. There's there's a bunch in here, but some stuff that uh stood out to me. Talk about pumpkin and cassava leaf soup. Sounds amazing. Yeah, you know, I wanted to highlight the, the cassava plant and also to show that it, it, all parts of it are, are utilized. Um, I actually, my family are farmers in Malawi. Currently, my, my grandmother started a farm or built a farm on the land that our family owned and my aunts and relatives have continued that tradition and that business going and so my family helps to feed the village uh where we come from in in malawi and so we make we grow cassava root it gets made it gets milled into flour and you know the leaves are used also uh, in terms of either a stew or just sauteed on their own and so you know again making sure there's recipes that are plant-based which is not 
isn't actually hard, although we we have the stigma in terms of making it seem like it's like so tricky to come up with tasty vegan food. Um, so <laughs> I just wanted to like show that you know very very simple ingredients create something that's you know fulfilling. It's hearty. It's nutritious. Uh, it, it hits all the points. You know. And and how how important was it? to you that anybody could pick up this book and follow the directions it, it's done very plain plainly very step right not plainly but it's the stories and um the pictures etc but but i mean like i i think that anybody could pick up this book and make just about anything in here oh thank you that i mean that definitely is was part of the goal and, and again and the recipes do list you know skill level so if it's you know easy medium difficult um that was important as well. But I mean, for, for me, fundamentally as a culinarian and as just a human, I think everyone should be, feel comfortable in a kitchen and should feel comfortable making their own food. And, you know, as I said earlier, just making food accessible and the recipes accessible, accessible is, was really important to me. And also because it's Marvel. And so people should, like families should be able to go into the kitchen and, and cook together. So yes. I really wanted to have there to be stories that, you know, kids, could get into uh it was really exciting and it still has been exciting to receive photos of folks who are making the recipes with their whole family and and, and that's really important to me as well as just you know making sure that young people are really understanding food and where their food comes from um and so definitely you know i, I designed the book in a way that everyone should be able to, to find at least five recipes in that book that they can just open up to and, and make it you know I'm glad you said that, that children uh, understanding where their food comes from. I talk about this with my partner often that for, you know, my daughter's generation and down really, right? It's like, it just shows up, right? There's there's no disconnect from, I mean, there's no connection to farms or or, or the the earth or you know, mm-hmm. folks toiling or the idea of, of killing and cooking your own food. And and I really feel like we've lost something there, and 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 that part of that loss is why we see all of the horrors we see uh, in America, in particular, um, about how mm-hmm. our food is is grown, slaughtered, and ends up on our tables. Yeah, and you know, especially as uh, brown and black folks in this country, I should be really careful about uh, like our food access and and. You know, I have lived in food deserts before, and so I've experienced having less access to fresh vegetables and, you know, produce and falling into a path where I'm not necessarily eating things that are the most healthy for me. And, you know, when you're not eating things that are good for your body, I mean, your mind's not going to be healthy either. And so as as young as we can get people understanding how food is there to help us and, you know, working together, I think it's just really, really, really important. Uh, the the book is broken down also breakfast lunch dinner um, talk about carob energy balls for breakfast yeah well you know that was a dish I came up with to kind of highlight what maybe the Dora Milaje so the female army that protect the king would use while traveling I mean I, I guess that was what I, my thought process was was coming up with that recipe and there's also another recipe and, and there mushroom jerky that's you know kind of falls up to that same category of you know, you have these athletes who are traveling, who are training. And so what are foods that they would eat to kind of keep them going, you know? Mm. So that's where the, the carrot balls come into. And to be honest, that is a recipe that I've had in my back pocket for a while. I just think it's really delicious. So I wanted to share them with people. Um, 
But, you know, yeah, they're basically something you can kind of make ahead of time. It's almost like a granola bar. And so you're just in a, a no-bake situation. So, um, you know, packed with protein and flavor and a nice, like, power snack or a way to start the day. Oh, my gosh. I just got... Um excited because I opened the the book to sweet and spicy oxtail with cassava dumplings. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, that's the good one. That's the good Ooh. one. <laughs> I'm an oxtail fan. Um, there's also drinks. Uh, talk to us about, um, I hope I say this right, Bissop Spritz. Yeah, so Bissop is just another um, term uh, word for hibiscus. I love having dried hibiscus flowers around and then hydrating them for different purposes uh tea is one so basically i'm using dried hibiscus flour and making a simple syrup with it so kind of like a sugary base and just kind of showing again showing in the cookbook how you can have a something that looks like a soda that resembles a soda but it it doesn't have all of the processed and artificial things in it and so the bisop spritz is 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 that you know it's like a, it's just like a nice refreshing fruit soda but um, mm. without all of the you know, stuff you don't necessarily need in there. And it's really easy. You can either use a soda, an actual soda press, or, you know, just mix in some, like, soda water, tonic water. And what cookbook would be complete without desserts? Um, My mouth watered when I was looking at microwaved banana and walnut. Oh, I'm glad that's the one you said, because I was (laughs) going to say that, too. That's the one where, as soon as the book came out, my friends who have little kids were like, we just made the microwave banana cake, because... And I I guess I did think about this when I was coming up with the recipe, but it truly is all ingredients that most people just have in their cupboards already. And... Mm. And then I think, you know, just the idea of using, I, I always was trying to push technology into the recipes because it, it, that is what Wakanda is known for. Yeah. Also, you know, re- realizing that the more technology or molecular gastronomy I put into the cookbook, the more removed folks are going to feel from being able to like, make the food. So the microwave cake is definitely fun for, for young people. Or if you just really want like a quick, nice, warm uh, snack. I mean, I grew up not eating a lot of, like cake or pastries we my mom always gave us mashed bananas with like a little bit of cinnamon and sugar so like for <laughs> me that's like a childhood comfort food that's like a, a sweet thing um so that the microwave cake kind of for me that's that's like a next step next level of like a nice little childhood dessert nice Anika, did you have an audience in mind when you wrote this book well, I would say first and foremost uh, was the Marvel fan, the, the Black <laughs> Panther fan. I, I really didn't want to let any of them down. So yeah, that, that, that those, those are who I was thinking about the most, was just kind of staying true to the story, staying true to the lore, and, and making sure that it was something that I felt proud of and that other folks who are as in love with Black Panther and with Marvel and the stories uh, could, would appreciate. All right. Uh, you, I imagine you are on uh, a book tour with this. Um, what, in addition to getting the word about the, the cookbook out there, what, what's on the horizon for you? What's next? Yeah. So touring with the book, spreading that word. And then um, next spring and summer, I'm going to be launching a project that I've actually started uh, pre-pandemic called Middle Passage. And it, it, it's uh, basically I'll be 
still traveling around the country and putting on dinners that highlight uh, the stories of chefs of color, of indigenous chefs and stewards of the land. Um, so folks can kind of look for Middle Passage on social media right now, but I'm really excited about continuing to just share share Black stories, share stories through food is, kind of, is what my, my purpose is right now. Well, we will certainly be on the lookout for it here. Um, I think Oakland, which is the food desert that I live in, uh, would really, <laughs> uh, love, love to have you. And I've, I've absolutely enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Me too. Today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. You're listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. We have been in conversation with Nanika Banda about her book, Black Panther, the official Wakanda cookbook. Nanika is a Malawian-American chef, writer, and entrepreneur. She earned a culinary degree from Madison College in 2012. While attending Madison, she competed and placed in multiple American culinary federation competitions, worked in a number of acclaimed kitchens across the country, After her experiences in New York City, Bonda moved back to the Midwest to attend the University of Wisconsin-Superior, designed her history and writing majors around African foodways, and has been a scholar of the topic ever since. If folks, uh, Nanika, want to catch you on the socials, where should they go? Uh, You can find me. It's just my name, at Nanika underscore Bonda. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>